The first reading is taken from the book of John, chapter 11, verses 21 to 26. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Amen. Do you believe this, Jesus said? And this is what I want to talk about this morning, my testimony, the day that I came to believe in our Lord Jesus. One day when I was about 15 years old and sitting in a religious education class at school, I remember the teacher speaking to the Lord Jesus, speaking to us about the Lord Jesus. And as I sat there in class, I knew within me what the Lord Jesus stood for. It was love. But at the time, I thought to myself, love, no thanks. My perception of love then was girly, sentimental, soppy stuff. And to me, the thought of living my life that way was embarrassing. A year or so later, I left school. I wanted to become a professional golfer. I'd been playing since the age of nine, so it was something I was good at. So over the next few years, I pursued my ambition and got a job working at the professional shop of my local club. And once I was good enough to attain professional status, I started a PGA diploma course. It was a three-year course which I passed and I received my diploma. And this allowed me to teach, to run a small business and to play all PGA golf tournaments. I was now 23, and even though I was doing what I wanted to do, there was a growing sense of unfulfillment in me that I couldn't seem to find through what I was doing. And then one day, while working in the professional shop, I was speaking to an employee of a golf company that was based in Basingstoke, which is where I live. And he offered me a job working with the PGA European Golf Tour, and I took it. Some of it was office-based, and some of it involved travelling around Europe with all expenses paid and being surrounded by some of the best golfers in the world. And this sounded perfect to me. It was something new, and it was just what I was looking for. But after a few years there, I again began to feel that it wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. I was still searching for something, but I didn't know what it was. I couldn't explain it. I carried on doing the job, but then at the age of 27, and after four years there, I left, and I decided to give my golf career another try, but this time playing full-time. I only worked weekends and had the rest of the week to play golf. And again, I thought, this is exactly what I want to do. 
But after several months, I again felt that something was missing. And the unfulfillment in my life increased the older I got. Now, it was beginning to wear me down. I'd also looked to relationships to give me a sense of fulfillment. I thought, maybe if I find someone, get married, have kids like most people do, this will fulfill me. I never got married or had kids, and even though I met a few girls that I liked, something was still missing. And I just couldn't, I couldn't understand why. I had money in the bank, I had lots of friends, I went out most weekends and had a good social life. In other words, I drank far too much. I'd been on many holidays, I'd done lots of travelling, I'd been in two good jobs, I came from a good solid family background, I never went without. Physically, I hardly ever got ill, and I kept myself in shape by going to the gym, and I ate well. So on paper, my life, my life seemed good. But still, with all this in mind, that unfulfillment within me just wouldn't go away. And I was now 28, and in my heart, I began searching for God. But even though I was searching for him, I'd yet to come to the Lord Jesus. And several months later, I hit a dead end. I tried so hard to find what I was looking for through my golf career that my game suffered badly because I put so much pressure on myself to do well. I was unhappy, I was annoyed, and I was frustrated with life. I had a lack of peace and no sense of purpose. I couldn't find what I was looking for, and for the first time in my life, I gave up trying. I was at a complete and utter loss. And I thought, if this is what life is like, then what's the point in it? But even though I felt this way, I didn't share it with anyone, because I didn't feel comfortable doing that. What if they didn't understand what I was going through? What if my problems were shrugged off as nothing? What if I sounded stupid? Maybe this sounds familiar to someone. I didn't want to come across as weak and feeble. I wanted to be seen as a confident young man who was in control of his life. And I used to put on a brave face and think, I can get through this by myself. But I was wrong. I couldn't. Two months later, I was talking to a friend about the Lord Jesus. And this was at night, outside my local nightclub. And we'd spoken about the Lord Jesus many times before. In fact, the first time was around two years prior to this. And I can always remember saying to him that I believed in God, but I didn't need a Bible to tell me that. But this time, it was different. So here we were, outside the local nightclub, and after talking for a while, he said to me, God loves you. And at that very moment, I could actually feel God's love right there and then. It wasn't an overpowering feeling, but it was strong enough for me to stand up and take notice 
and I can only describe it as a a loving warmth that was surrounding me. And it was at that moment that my heart opened up to the Lord Jesus and he came into my life and I was saved. But at the time, I didn't fully understand or have the knowledge that I was saved. So that night when I got home, I wanted to find out more, but I didn't have a Bible. Now I was given one several years before, but through a complete lack of interest, I'd never read it. And it had gone from being in my car to going in my golf bag, and I'd left it there for several weeks, and it had got wet and mouldy, so I'd just thrown it away. When I look back, I can't believe what I did. So, that night when I got home, I went onto the internet and I bought a Bible. And a few days later, I got my Bible. And this time, I started to read it. So at the age of 28, and after years of trying things my way, I thought, I'll try things Jesus' way. And I'll see what happens. But as the weeks went by, I struggled with my doubts about the faith. I wasn't sure if this was the very thing that I was looking for because I'd been let down so many times before. And I would think to myself, is this just another path to explore? Would this eventually turn out like everything else and would I hit a dead end again? Is Jesus who he says he is? Is this really him in this book, the Bible? Is he real? Can he really make my life better? Can he really give me eternal life? Even with all these doubts, I just felt that something was different and I couldn't explain it. I'd never experienced anything like this before. And several weeks later, I was in bed reading my Bible, and it was the Gospel of St. John. And I came across a piece of scripture that mentioned the Holy Spirit. And I thought to myself, who is this Holy Spirit? And all of a sudden, I felt a presence come over me, and I sat up. It wasn't emotional. It was like energy surging through me and around me. And it was the Holy Spirit. And he was making himself known to me. And that was the day I received the Holy Spirit. And he's the one who helped me to follow the Lord Jesus and to dedicate my life to him. Over the next several months, all the emotions, the doubts, and the unrest from my old life began to fade and die as my faith in Jesus slowly deepened. And I realized more and more that Jesus is real. He's a living person who is loving and kind, patient, gentle, and forgiving. He really did come to save us. And I started to become much more settled within. It was like the stormy waters had subsided and they had become still and calm. And I no no longer needed to chase and strive after things anymore. I had found what I was looking for. I was at peace. 
When I was 15 years old and sitting in a religious education class at school, I was completely uninterested in the Lord Jesus because of what he stood for, love. But this time I accepted him and his love for me has changed my life. And this is a meme that my life is always great. Even now life can be tough. We live in a world where bad things happen. But the one big difference now is the Lord is always there to pick me up when I am down. And he says to us all, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And it's so true. Whenever I pray to him and ask for his help, he's there. He's listening. And I can tell him anything. All of my problems, my pains, insecurities, weaknesses, worries. And by faith, I know he's going to help me and he does. Because I see him working in my life. And it's amazing when it happens. And when I read the Bible, he's there. And there are times when I just know he's speaking to me. And reading the Bible has helped me to get to know the Lord Jesus better and to learn and to reinforce many of his teachings. My understanding of who Jesus truly is has grown massively because of it. Before I said yes to the Lord Jesus, I lived my life how I wanted to. And the result was, life wasn't so good. Since believing in Jesus Christ, I've tried to live my life how God wants me to live, and that is to follow the Lord Jesus. And my life has become so much better. The changes have been amazing. And I've found what I'm looking for through Jesus. And in my heart, I know without question, I will be redeemed by Jesus one day, and I will have eternal life with him in his kingdom. And that, for me, is the true hope that I wait for. Amen. The second reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 to 8. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Please be seated.
title of the sermon is called Love Thy Neighbour. To be really honest, before I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus, I had uh, no motivation and little interest in trying to love my neighbour. But when the Lord entered into my life in 2002, I started to change. He touched my heart so deeply, it was impossible not to. The Lord Jesus gives us a fresh outlook. He leads us into new ways of thinking, and he gives us a clean heart. In fact, the Bible says, the Spirit of Christ lives within us. This is why we slowly become more like him in nature. And this is also why we develop and grow in loving ways. Because his spirit is living within us. He is the root and he is the reason why we change. And he teaches us, love your neighbor as yourself. One thing that really surprised me from reading the Bible over the years is that there are so many facets to love. There are so many ways we can love someone. So what does the Bible say about love? Well, it says, love does no harm to its neighbor. It also says, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions. Now, I'm quite a practical person. So what could, what could we do to love someone practically? What is a practical, loving action? A loving action could be cleaning or doing the shopping for someone. It could be going out of our way to mend or to fix something for someone. It could be decorating or helping someone move furniture around. A loving action could be visiting the sick or the needy of your church. A loving action could be comforting someone or offering a shoulder to cry on. A loving action could be acting as a pillar of strength for someone if they're worn out emotionally or physically. Maybe we know someone who has lost their job. A loving action could be helping them financially. It could be filling up their cupboards with food, lending them a hand. And this is why the Bible says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. The mark of a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is someone who always tries to love their neighbor. Where I work, there is a lady who is very clearly a Christian. And she points others to the Lord Jesus. But she doesn't do it by preaching. No. She points others to the Lord through her loving actions. Our loving actions will point people to the one we love and believe in, the Lord Jesus Christ. But do we immediately turn into the most amazing, loving people when we accept the Lord Jesus into our lives? I really wish that were true. I spoke to a dear lady at church last year who loves the Lord, and I asked her, how did you become more loving? And she replied, 
I used to work in the hospital and I spent my time continually caring for others. And she said, gradually my love for others grew. Then a light bulb came on. I always knew to get better at anything in life, we need to practice. But when she said this to me, I realized it's exactly the same for love. I realized not only I should ask God for help, I had to make the effort to become more loving. Now, growing in love is not automatic with age, or that just comes with prayer alone. It also requires effort. Now, do you know what the opposite of love is? Who said that? Nice one. You've been training for a preacher. (laughs) Yes. The opposite of love is apathy or indifference. The opposite of love is totally not caring. I don't care. That is the opposite of love. But the Bible teaches us what love is. And the Bible also teaches us what love isn't. So let's take a look at this teaching, and we had it in our reading. And if you do have a Bible to hand, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and four, verses 4 to 7. And I'm looking at the NIV version. So let's try and understand what love is, and let's try and understand what love isn't. And let's all see if there are any areas, including us, over here, because we're not perfect at all, if there's any areas that we could improve on a little. And if you are following from the Bible, I will be expanding on each example. So verse 4, love is, love is patient. Love is patient with forgetful people. Love is patient with people who may be a little slower than yourself. Love is patient waiting in a queue. Love is patient when driving your car. They are your neighbours around you. Love is kind. Love is kind to the stranger. Love is kind to the unpopular. Love is kind to people whom you don't agree with. Love is kind to the unkind. Love does not envy our neighbor's possessions. Love does not boast to others about what we have or what we're going to have. Love is not proud. We do not need to remind others about how amazing we are. Verse 5, love is not rude to our next door neighbours or rude to our parents. It's not rude to other drivers. Love is not self-seeking. It doesn't do things for others just because it brings benefit back to ourselves. 
Love is not easily angered with trivial situations. This is a good one. Love keeps no record of wrongs. It holds no grudges. Love forgives. And love does not continually remind others of their wrongdoing or what they've done in the past, a week ago, a year ago, five years ago. Love doesn't do that. Verse 6, love does not delight in evil. Love rejoices in the truth, kindness and honesty. Verse 7, love always protects. It protects the weak. It protects the vulnerable. Love always trusts. It's not always sceptical about others. Love gives people the benefit of the doubt. And it's wanting to please the Lord Jesus that helps us to persevere, as love will ride out the storms, because love hangs in there. Society today, does it really hang in there today, especially in relationships? Love hangs in there. The Bible teaches us the facets of love and the varieties of the way that we can love. The Bible also teaches us what love isn't. And this helps us to become aware of the things that we may need to work on in our own lives. And I have found that not walking in love is depressing. It's miserable. It's selfish. And not walking in love is lonely. But I have found that when we start to think of others, then people will start to think of us. If we help others, then others will help us. The Lord Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And who is our neighbor? Our neighbor isn't just our circle of friends and family. Our, neighbor, our neighbors are all the people all the people we come into contact with day to day. These, the, these very people are the neighbours we are to try and love. And this also includes trying to love the neighbours that we don't see eye to eye with or get along with. It's not always easy. But remember, we can also love others. We can love others by forgiving. You can love someone by biting your tongue. You can love someone by keeping your cool. You can offer your love, love to somebody by just tolerating, putting up with it. You are loving them. And by being slow to get angry. The Lord Jesus said to his disciples, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then he says this, and by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if, if you love one another. The Lord Jesus is the King of Kings. He is the Lamb of God who, whose blood washes away our sins. He is the only one who offers eternal life to anyone who believes in him. 
and we can welcome him into our hearts and lives today. Do you want a fresh start? Or do you even want a change of heart? The Lord Jesus says, Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. And the Lord Jesus wants each one of you to come to him. Just as you are. He wants you to come to him no matter what you've done. No matter what mistakes you've made. He's kind. He's understanding. And the Lord Jesus is always forgiving. And he cares about each one of us. Maybe. Maybe you are unsure if you have really given your heart fully to the Lord Jesus. Maybe you'd like to say yes to him for the very first time. Or maybe you'd like to recommit your life to him now and start afresh today, right now. If this is you, then I'd like you to come forward on your own or come forward with a friend to make a decision or to make a fresh to make a fresh recommitment today. If this is you, please come forward and I'd like to pray for you. Please come. If there's, don't be shy. Please come forward. This is very, very important. The Bible says salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. The Bible also says if we confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. For everyone 
who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you'd like to hand your life to the Lord Jesus, whether you're here at the front or whether you're sitting at the back, please repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, please hear my prayer. I know you gave your life for me. And I know that you're alive today. Please forgive my sins. Come into my heart and make your home with me. Make your home. And thank you for being my Lord and Saviour. Amen. And as you have received the Lord Jesus as your personal Saviour, also receive the Holy Spirit to be with you as well. And may the Lord Jesus be with you at all times to protect you, to comfort you and to keep you safe. May he bless you and your family and may you feel his peace and love in your hearts now and forevermore. Amen.